Kawhi alone inside. He's got the breakaway with the touch to the right. Go! Official podcast of your Minneapolis City Soccer Club, brought to you by Summit Brewing Company. All right, and we are back to the questions after a heated newlywed game. 101 part, episodes. Part two of, yeah. our, of our 100th episode. 100, 100B, we'll call it. I'm, I'm happy to be here because I was on one of your early episodes. I'd like you to were. call it episode yeah. one. You, yeah. It, it might have been, and it was the one that um, my kids can never listen to a podcast again because of. All right, so John and Dan, you guys, uh, we, we established you guys were kind of old friends uh, from the Ohio days. How did you all, and then you guys kind of met through friends of friends, Nick and John. How did you all come to connect here in the cities through Stegman's? Well, first we actually had the meeting through friends of friends. John didn't really extrapolate on it. We had a blog back when blogs were a thing. Yeah, like a, on the, what was it? A, what was that website? It was like Blogger or something, Blogspot. Right? Blogspot or, or whatever, yeah. Yeah, we had a blog. So it was. Well, you and John. You and John no, had a blog? me and the guy who created the oh, free Dan beard Weersma. movement, Dan Wiersma. Uh, by the way, if you're listening, fucking call and text me back. He's supposed to be my best friend from college. Haven't heard from him in like four yeah. years. He's got oh, two. Anyway. He's got two new best friends. Dan Wiersma. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fuck off. Starting uh, to get real. Yeah. So we had I a like blog. My guy Dan, yeah. Like <laughs> replaced you, Dan, with another Dan. Yeah. And then he met Bizworm, and so then we had Bizworm and your friend Dan Makowitz. Mackle. Mackle. Dan Mack. We did a podcast, uh, too. Yeah, you guys started podcasting back before podcasting was actually a thing. Yeah, our podcast name was uh, Seven Guys Short because there was only... Four of us. There was four of us, and we needed 11. Also, yeah. Nate, oh, he's, he's your true love, I can tell. John? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's, yeah. He's I mean, you may, he may have been your first, but yeah. <laughs> I'm here for the long haul. I mean, you got to try stuff with other people first before you <laughs> right. find love. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's how John and I actually first got connected. That's then so we went to a game at Soldier Field. We got a month uh, for the contact. So we first met in Chicago for USA versus Brazil at Soldier Field. The the Nike series is what they done. Yep, yep. And Dempsey scored a goal. I, I remember that to bring it to like 2-2 and then Brazil. Just deuce, deuce. Put the Sorry. foot on the pedal and, oh, yeah. and creamed us. Um, Ronaldinho yeah, just that, that was back made in the us day. Look dumb. And then, yeah, we kind of sort of stayed connected as air quotes, sarcastic air quotes, Facebook friends. And then when you moved up here, you know, that's how we kind of rekindled everything because it's like, oh, fellow soccer people, let's. I, I just need more soccer people in my life at that time. Mm-hmm. The and right type of soccer people. I need even more now that I have kids and a wife who's got me on a leash. The right type. I mean, I gotta say that, like, so Facebook gets a bad rap for basically giving Russia our government. And that's a, that's a tough thing, but honestly. <laughs> On the plus side is it gave the world stigmas. Now it really did. I'm not going to say that's going to overwhelm everything, except it does because not only did it get John and Nick together, but so you know I'd, I'd moved back to Minnesota after living out in New York um, and was working in an agency in town, and um, just like randomly, I, um, I was kind of going through um, contacts and I, I saw John. I know when we were kids, we were really, really great friends. Um, like 
just send her a friend request. And um, it took me like 30 seconds to be like, just on it, <laughs> you know. Um, but then I like I posted a job for uh, well, actually, I'd send him a message because I saw he was in advertising. I was like, oh shit, you're in advertising me too. And all of a sudden, John's like, hey, I want to talk to Dan Hoodman again. Hi, anyway, best friend. Anyway, actually, he calls me up. We didn't post a soccer job, I've been all over the <laughs> No, he calls me up. It was a great conversation. I get back in, I'm talking to my wife, and she's like, who's that? I'm like, well, like I, I knew him, you know, back in Ohio and all this. I'm like, no wonder we were friends when we were 11. Anyway, John comes in to, to interview, gets the job, moves up here. Nailed it. Totally nailed it. Um, and then I, I like introduced him to some guys in this like, team I was playing. I didn't love that much. And I'm like, hey, so you want to like play with him in the summer? John goes, no, man, those guys suck. We can start our own team. <laughs> well, it was because like I turned up to practice in in quotes, and it was like four guys off doing one thing by themselves. There was I brought the only ball of air in it. Like it was just a fuckus is the only way to put it. And I was like, I come from a world of organized soccer. Like I I don't want. I don't have many Very years German. left. I am extremely German. German. I don't have many years left to play. I don't want to be fucking around with bullshit. I want to like I want to play the right way. And I want so to have then a club. we kind of the co-ed team my wife and I were playing on. We kind of took over shit. Jesse and I did and created Free Beer Movement FC just to be cool. And you guys played, and so yeah, your your desire for organization led to. Disorganized co-ed chaos in which Graham Campbell showed up in cargo shorts and flats to play indoor basketball yeah. shoes. Yeah, oh, tops. basketball shoes. Yeah, high tops. Yeah, high tops. Graham Campbell, one of the like legend. 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 legend, founding member. I love yes. Graham so much. Um, so anyway, I, I will say though that if you're listening at home or at the lumberyard, not important, um, and you're wondering what does it take to start uh, a successful men's league club, it actually takes people with um, different skills. So, one of the things that Nick brings uh, to the table is, you know, he's he's great at organization. That's why he's president of the MRSL, um, and you know, just has a really good idea of like working within organizations, working within you know governing bodies, understanding like who you need to talk to to get stuff done. Um, I, I'm I'm really good at asking questions like, how are we going to afford this? And John is really good at saying things like, no, man, that sucks. We should do our own thing. We should totally do it. And by we, I mean mainly you guys, and I'm going to bring the ball. And you know what? You need all that because you can't play soccer without a ball. That's actually a fact. And, and what year, what year was Lots this? Lots of hot air. So, so you guys got together and you decided Stegman's is the team. We're using, our, we're using our coach as the – Oh, no, no. There, there was no we here. John decided that every other team was stupid. We should start our own. Uh-huh. Nick decided that You're actually welcome, everyone. we could probably make this happen. And I decided that we should name it after Mr. Stegman. By the way, I have a logo. And also, how are we going to afford this? There it is, and that's how it happened. So be, yeah. <laughs> so Mr. Stegman, of course, is the uh, is the guy that's been, been on our captain's armband since we started at Minneapolis <laughs> City. He's on the numbers on the back of your kit. We also had a at one point we used to do club T-shirts, and we oh. <laughs> so, his, his mustache is famous. We used, we used to do club, we used to do club Stop. T-shirts, and over over the course of time, like. As we were gaining sponsors, like Two Gingers was one of our sponsors, so we did a Two Gingers-inspired um, shirt. We did a, a, a Summit-inspired shirt. But then one year, Dan's like, what if we did, like, a Shea Guevara, like, Stegman's kind of... Like, you know, inspired design using Tom Stegman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so, he had this, like, legit mustache. He, look, he, look like, he looks like Tom Selleck. He really does. So I'm in the Toronto airport, and I'm coming back home from a trip with my wife, and I'm wearing my... 
Shea Guevara inspired Tom Stegman shirt. And I'm at the urinal and I, you know, I do my business. I turn around and go to wash my hands. And this guy next to me is washing his hands, looks at the mirror up and, and, and like I can see he's looking at me through the mirror and he's looking at my shirt. And all he says is, sweet Saddam shirt, dude. <laughs> like I'd be rolling around with a shirt of Saddam Hussein on it. Yeah. Poor Tom Segman, owner yeah. of a Southern Ohio furniture store. So, yeah. <laughs> the patio and hearth. Just game. nice as can be. What in the hiding? So, you guys, what, what year was this when you found when you decided to found Segmans? Nine Stegmans? years ago. Twenty ten. Twenty ten. Since then, you absorbed other teams in the league, the, the internationals. Yeah. Uh, so you've got the Segmans International. Actually, now. no, we absorbed one team in the MASL for. Um, Reasons. Affiliation purposes too, like affiliation to purposes and mm-hmm. reasons. Um, but yeah, for the most part, reasons. we built up Stegmans to from one team in 2010. Was it two in 2011 or 2012? We no, made we, the jump we to had, two. We added a second one in the very next year. Yeah. yeah. So we went from one to two right away. Twenty guys to forty guys, and then we built up over the years to four teams before we took on internationals for um, affiliation reasons debt reasons lots of reasons mm-hmm. um, to improve the Stegman's name because our Cause, goal was was to, was to win the league every year and get promoted yeah. and be in the top top division but we found that that's not necessarily easy yeah, yeah that's, that's not what we're good at we got older every year <laughs> right <That's, laughs> we yeah, keep we're getting older, older they keep staying the same age motherfuckers well that's nine years of quality soccer together it's gotta gotta lead to a lot of great on-field moments we talked about off-field moments uh <laughs> as a bonding experience in the you know in the previous segment let's talk about some on-field moments because i'm sure you guys have a ton nate that's a daytime emmy transition right <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah you man. are you, you are it. the king I'm just not, bad i'm not bad even though this is not about you you really <laughs> yeah, nailed really. it so I, I'd like to talk a little bit about our, our home in North Minneapolis, mm-hmm. um, Lincoln Field, called The Link. I love playing The Link. That field's great. I've tried to buy it numerous times. It's on 11th and Penn, for those of you who are in the area. <laughs> every it's time, not in a nice neighborhood. Every time Minneapolis Park Board says, no. And then they don't use it, which is disappointing, but that's the way things work. Um, but, it, but it's not in a great area. And it was even worse a few years ago when we started playing there, so... John and I uh, get out of the car for our first game. We're bringing in like all the gear, nets and corner flags and beer and all that. And then these people sit down in the front and a stoop. ball, and a ball, <laughs> and a, an inflated ball. And, like a whole group of people on this front stoop. And then one woman from the front stoop yells, "Hey Pele, what you doing?" And Biz obviously thinking, "Well, she's talking to me." He goes, "Hey, we've got a soccer game. We'll tell me all about it, right? Like all about it. Gives them beer. Super friendly, right? Like classic John." So we get in there, uh, turn it out, like, and he, he he's telling her, yeah, we're playing this team from St. Cloud, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, like, 34 minutes later, all of a sudden, two cars of St. Cloud people come up. And they're, like, open up and, like... Like, where are we? Come out, you know, North Minneapolis, and they, they see, like, 20 people in this front yard. And, uh... And uh, l- l- let's just say that they got... They got, um... Uh, cat calls and yelled at. And anyway... <laughs> Fast forward to about well, 30 minutes in, 30 minutes in, and they're taking a, an attacking corner kick, and I'm in goal, and John's defending, well, I mean defending, air quotes. <laughs> John and doesn't defend. The, the, guy, the guy's about to, about to, to um, take the corner kick, 
John turns to the like biggest guy in the middle and goes, Hey man, is that your car? All of a sudden, all the St. Cloud guys look, the ball sails all over their head, none of them jump for it. <laughs> that is how I defend. <laughs> that's not a field moment. That's a good one. Nick. Oh god, there's so many that I can't even remember because I'm old. Uh, my favorite moment on field is the very first free beer night. Um I can't the Sana Foundation? No, 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 no. no. Before that, oh, this is yeah, pre yeah. Oh, yeah. I think we gave it to, like, Socket or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Socket. I I can't remember Play who got fouled. But somebody got fouled right around the halfway line. Bizworm takes the free kick. I make this odd run all the way across the field from left mid, left fullback, left striker. I don't remember what position Invented I was run. Running. Inventive, inventive, yes, inventive run, all the way across, and somehow Bizworm puts it on my head as I'm kind of jumping and twisting in the air, and I nod it down to Hudeman in the box who scores against GM Cheerios. Yeah. It was still yeah. a team. Yeah. yeah. But they, General Mills has a yeah, has they a have, they, team? they used to have yeah. two. Now Amazing. they only have the one. Because um, they suck good, at though. running soccer. They're usually teams. pretty good. They were pretty good. Uh, the yeah. Cheerios team blows ass. Um, I also have a Cheerios moment. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, you do. Um, they still play at that field, by the way. Oh, Although not as many fans turn up. Anyway, I headed down, and I'm all of five, eight and a half. So I like jumped up, and just like in my high school days, when I was going up against that six-two guy, I jumped first, get my arm on the shoulder, so when he jumps, I go higher, and knock this down to Dan. He scores, and then starts the churning butter celebration. And if you look back far enough on the Stegman's Facebook profile, you can find the video, the the pictures of that celebratory moment. The fastest <laughs> I ran was to do that goal celebration, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then later that day, I made his baby son cry, and there's pictures of that too. That also, true. see, I thought. I remember that vividly because I put a pinpoint ball on, onto your body and knocked down to, to Dan. But I remember vividly is I thought you, you weren't turning the butter. You were pouring a tap. That's actually what it was. Oh. I, was, I, was I was pouring the tap beer. You, know. you were gyrating awkwardly. Gyrating well, so I, I was, was very, I was very excited. There was a yeah. scarf in, in your crotch people do. and your <laughs> Many things region. were happening. Yeah. So, so my on-the-field moment also comes against the General Mills Cheerios. <laughs> so we're playing at their place. Their team name were they, we are the General Mills Cheerios. Yeah. Yes, and their jerseys yeah. were black shorts, yellow socks. It's not a fucking creative shirt. bone in that building. I'll tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, Nate, this is not about you. <laughs> I'm just making an observation. Um, so, I've been known to play with a level of intensity. Be a dick. Um, and I, I just don't have room for bullshit. I just don't like. So we're playing against this. Be a dick. <laughs> so we're playing against the GM Cheerios, and the reason why I mentioned pinpoint accuracy and Nick's uh, Nick's memory here was. <laughs> So one of our guys, so I play defensive center midfield. One of our guys in front of me goes up for a header, and this guy who's been chirping at the ref all day and just like just he was being an asshole. He was a cunt. Yeah. So whoa. whoa. Oh, oh, is that whoa. not whoa. a lot? I've whoa. already said fuck. Hard to see. Wow. So he, our guy goes up for a head ball, and he undercuts him, so this guy falls like square on his head on the turf, and of course I'm having none of that. So. 
before the referee can even blow the whistle, both of the the guy who undercut our guy kind of lands on the ground. And because I have not heard the whistle yet, I lies. I collect the ball and I look up and this poor helpless individual is laying there like five yards from me. So I take a touch away from any sort of play and I rifle the ball square at this guy, like full intention to just right in the face, just oh, yeah. to hit this guy. I didn't mean to hit him in the face, but my pinpoint accuracy, I can't stop it, right? I, honestly, so, I thought you were aiming for the dick. <laughs> so I hit a ball as hard as I can. Good thing for me from a referee standpoint is one of our guys was making an off-the-ball run probably 30 yards away. So it looked as if I was trying to connect with that guy. You're just bad. Instead, <laughs> instead I hit this Poor it guy. So hard. Square in the face. Head snaps back. He goes down. Nose bleeding. And then I hear from the stands, that is despicable. You should be ashamed of yourself. Someone's mom is And mad. I look over, and it's our like our right back's mom. <laughs> <laughs> who's, who's chastising me for just drilling this poor guy who's like flopping like a dead fish on the turf. <laughs> I mean, the best thing about John is he just like, he does it, I mean, all season long. So I thought I thought your your best story was going to be John has spent all game um, kicking this team, the team that's managed by the guy who runs us Augsburg. So obviously the guy you should you should pick on. Anyway, one of his players has enough and goes in super late and just like, or no John John puts in a, a challenge and like pulls out. Um, he he'd already gone in super late on you, so you went kind of kind of late on him, but like pulls out. But then the guy goes to stomp on John. I'm close enough to, to be like, oh, fuck that. I can't see it. So I go blasting past the referee. Again, this is the fastest I've run all game. And, you know, two-handed just shove him off of John. The way he flopped, it may have seemed like I threw him into St. Paul. Um, <laughs> I did not. I, I literally step over John, who he's going to step on. And I'm Things may have been able to happen because nobody talks to my friend from the 80s. Um, <laughs> Hashtag brotherhood. Brotherhood. I get sent off. I'm like, ref, he was about to stomp him. He goes, like, you ran past him. I'm like, you clearly were not going to do anything about it. <laughs> that, I don't know why that wasn't convincing. Um, I thought that was I, when... Maybe friends. after all that, maybe after all that, friends the ref was protecting like protecting friends. The John. ref was like, "Let's just see what happens." <laughs> right? Honestly, I would have too. I would tearing after that guy. I almost killed. I would have just taken a breath. <laughs> I would have given the red card after the fact, mm-hmm. having repped all of the segments indoor leagues from <clears throat> point of conception. I would have just taken a breath, let it happen, and what? then given the red card. I was like, literally, John and the other guy could have killed each other. All I did was shove him off of John. Yeah. I get the red card yeah, for what it's here. worth. We needed to win that game to get promoted. Not all heroes wear capes. We needed to win that game to get. We needed to win that game to get promoted. It was tied at that point. Dan gets sent off. We're down a guy. And I set up the, the game winner. So John, this podcast isn't about you. It, it isn't. So Dan, I'm going to make it about me. Both philosophically and practically, how would you say that that's that the Stegmans organization that you guys had established laid the groundwork for making Minneapolis City a reality? So it, oh, it's serious. God. Yeah, I know. Now it's we've like, got real you're questions. You're real questions? Yeah. Well, so it, we it, just it taught us a couple things. Um, and so it did teach us about what it took to win and um, what we need to do to attract players and what players this level were really looking for, uh, particularly as it got better. Um, 
And that was really important. You know, we, we knew it was like, what is it like to travel? You know, we did that, that trip to Fargo. We'd gone to Milwaukee. We played, you know, we, we, we played all these friendlies. So we had a really good idea of um, what it took. We knew how good our, com- our competitors were. And we knew how hard it was to fight for players. And then I think the thing that Stegman's taught us that was maybe different than others um, was, you know, so often, um, you know, particularly say like Minnesota, it's a little bit of a smaller state and you have these people who, who've been around for a long time. It taught us the important brand and like doing things differently, you know, because none of us are from uh, Minnesota. I mean, even though there was born there, like we didn't, we didn't grow up playing like Minnesota soccer forever. And the whole the great thing about Stegman's is, you know, you can join from coming from anywhere. You can come from Minnesota. You can live part of your life in Minnesota. You can move here. You can marry a Minnesota girl, whatever, and you can be really integrated. Um, and so, you know, we, we had this sort of, like, professionally amateur. We're just here, like, having fun, you know, and a little bit of, like, fuck the man type of approach, which made us think about um, how this thing could work differently. I mean, because when we started, you know, John and I went to this this bar and this like guy was sort of a legend in Minnesota soccer for reasons unknown to me. Fat fucker um, told us he's like, "Oh, you're not you're not going to last long, and in two years, no one ever has." And then I told him to go hit his keyboard up in his mom's basement. <laughs> you know, did I tell you he sent me a congratulatory tweet after things started to get rolling? Yeah, he sent me at my professional too. account, not no, my no personal shit. account, my professional one. He knew better than this. I yeah, I mean. you know, but we we had this great baseline for the business. For the playing side, we sort of knew that if we did if we did it like everyone else had, we'd have ended up in the same spot. Yeah, and we didn't want to end up in the same spot. And so we're like, we're gonna approach this as a challenger. We're gonna we do things differently, and we're either gonna live gloriously or die in a flaming wreck right away. <laughs> um, and, and there, you, and you and you made it. Yeah. So far. Yeah. So far. yeah. So, flaming wreck can still happen, Nate. It could. Yeah. Let's get into the founding of Minneapolis City. I mean, was, we are in the club shop right now. Here we are. So, right. what? Uh, that doesn't speak flame and out the, to me. There are sirens in the background, yeah. so this might be on fire. So, unlikely for us. <laughs> right. We but you never know. Club. We are Speaking city of sirens, club. I thought of another good off the field moment. Oh, oh. <laughs> I think we got to go back to that. Can you edit this, Nate? <laughs> <laughs> right. We got we to move on. So, let's get into the founding of Minneapolis City. Oh, here it comes. Yep, there it is. Not on fire. Oh, guys, not, not on fire. fire. Not for us. Not for us. Good. Welcome Good. to South Minneapolis. Was there a single moment that you guys can all pinpoint where you all, whether it was either together in a in a restaurant or a bar or separately in your basement or whatever, had this light bulb go on where you said, "We're we're going to do this. We're going to start this semi-pro club. We're going to start Minneapolis City." I don't know what you're insinuating by saying in a bar like we drink a lot or in a basement like yeah, we're just geez. pounding a keyboard it's like, one or the other <laughs> pounding a keyboard like in our mom's basement or yeah. something and all creepy yeah so yeah. Was, but also yeah but, okay, so yeah. was there was there that moment where you guys were like looking at each other like let's just fucking do this let's pull the trigger on this club so i think so go ahead john i think the the year we affiliated with the internationals which then became stegman 77 um, eventually, I think the year we, we 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 tried that out, and we saw the caliber of player that they that is attracted to the Division One level in amateur soccer here. Seeing that, and then knowing the connections we'd made, I kind of felt at that moment was like, if we're gonna make a go at amateur soccer, like we have the foundation with that team, and there and there's still guys today that are that are from that team, like Ao, who's our captain, like. He came from that. Timmy came from that. You know, we, we've had like Ryan Camerata was part of that. Yeah, big, big game, game James. James. Like we've had 
that foundation that we we acquired has really set the groundwork for what we have in Minneapolis City. And I think for me that it was that moment it was like we won that we won the Division One title that year. It was like okay, like we can actually make a run at this because we if we if we don't find any other players, I'm comfortable putting that team in an amateur soccer setting at a higher level and then doing all right. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I had a strange week um, when I when I had this uh, this idea because you know typically John's the one, like a, the one who's like, he's really, really, really pushing yard. me forward, right? Yeah. You know, and Nick's the one who's usually kind of like, yeah, actually this is probably doable. But um, so Minnesota United fans may recognize the name Nick Platter from back Thunder. You know, he played for Star Thunder Stars, and then he left before United went to Strikers, and now he's in the front office at North Carolina. Well, he went to high school with me. Um, really good dude um and so I, I talked to him and he was sort of talking about what's going on with the strikers and i was moving to north carolina and all that um and then later that week i talked to tony sana and he had this like this picture of the thunder team that was arguably the best team in the country at the time and um you know, be- between the two of them and this is this is when minnesota united had not announced it was clearly going to mls um the thing that sort of that came out from those conversations was what kind of Thunder Stars had done was they'd, they'd been this great launching pad for um, for local talent. And, you know, I'm, I'm a contemporary of guys like um, Dustin Brannon and, and his brother and, and Donnie Mark and, and some of these other guys. I remember being in MASL in like 03 or 04 after I graduated and came back to America and like MASL guys would go and, and, and um, play for the Thunder. And, you know, Minnesota United going to MLS, no fault of their own, right? You go national level, different different type of player and all that, it felt like there was a gap that opened up, and it also felt like nobody was um, filling that. With all the stuff we'd learned, and like John said, we, we knew the level in terms of players, and because we traveled, we, we knew how to make that happen, because all the stuff Nick knew, we kind of like knew how the Federation worked, the state associations and all that. So you were like, here, door's open, we gotta do like, this. holy shit, like, not only, like, can we do this, but, but we need to. Yeah. Like, this has to happen, and I remember going to these guys like, oh, my God, we need to do this. And then we looked at the price tags of some of these leagues, and we're like, holy shit, we can only afford the PLA. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and so we joined the and PLA. And there we go. So <laughs> and I, I distinctly remember real quick. Yeah. It, it was an interesting year, 26 – well, it was going to be an interesting year for me. I changed roles at work, so it was like, this is good. Let, it's great. Let's go. But I'm not going to be able to do anything. So it really was the two of these guys then taking and running with it after that. As early as the logo reveal, it was clear that Minneapolis City would be a different voice in, in the soccer world. Was that something you guys had talked about, uh, you know, in, in forming the club? Or was it kind of stumbled upon when you decided to post Grumpy Cat memes and shit? So I will, te- I will tell you that... Um, so we got really involved um, with a designer, Trent Edwards, who Nate worked with you and yeah, me and Riley yeah. Hayes and John, you and me and Riley Hayes. Fuck you, Trent. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking awesome designer. Um, if anyone has seen Insight Brewing or like Alaris, um, I'm sure you can look up, uh, look up his book. He's, he's really this good. This is a soccer podcast, not an ad podcast. <laughs> I just want to, you know, Trent Edwards, freelancing, give him a call. Um, Trent, great logo, by the way. Love it. Well, so, like, you know, we, we, we reached out all these really talented designers, and Trent came back with this 
this brand that was like, the fuck is that? I really like it. But what we knew was, again, like you, you, we couldn't be the same. And the thing is, in town, Minnesota United, as far as like a classic sports brand and, and sort of classic branding, they're sort of the best of the genre. So, and or they're they're among the top of the genre. And we sort of looked at it. and We're like, well, it's, it's kind of hard to beat. They they got a ton of money and they got a nice logo and Sue Jones is a good agency and like, um, and then also it wasn't really us because we we weren't. We weren't a company, right? We, yeah. We, we weren't a company that's going to go out and find an agency and, and uh, do stuff. We were just this group of regular people. We are going to go like ask our friends who had skills and be like, hey, man, can you do something that feels like – the brief literally was, can you do something that feels like us and feels like Minneapolis? And we told yeah, him, like, hey, maybe, maybe it should be blue too, yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, we had a bunch of people try, and, and he ignored all the things we told him and came back with, like, the logo and this weird stuff. And then – I knew I knew based on my initial reaction to the logo because the first time I saw it, I'm like, I don't like this at all, and this and I slept on it. And the next day, I'm like, this is really good. And I think that that was the reaction for Nick and John, like we all had, because like the, the first day we're like, oh no, and the second day we're like, oh actually, and they got more and more. Um, I told them I'm like, hey, I'm gonna do this like graphic and include Grumpy Cat because it's this weird dead meme, and also like, fuck you guys, you don't like it. And he did not want anything to do with it. No, no, Trent was like, I don't want that. Actually, you were like, I don't like that either. <laughs> And I, I pretty much said, I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's sort of our whole ethos where you're like, if you've got this like creative line, you're going to hit it pretty hard. We give each other a lot of freedom to do it. Um, Trent's logo, weird and fucking cool. And Grumpy Cat, weird and fucking cool. And like Wearing pink on the way, weird and fucking, weird and fucking cool. cool. And that was the beginning. Well, And, and yeah. John had to talk our coach out of it because our coach is like, the guys aren't going to like that. Like John's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. They're all college kids. They, they're gonna love they it. They wear pink, and you're gonna go to somebody else's stadium, and you're gonna beat them in pink, and you're gonna be like, "Fuck you, dog." I'm pretty sure that's an exact quote. You yeah. don't get kids like that. <laughs> that's yeah. us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in, well, it, again, weird, weird, but totally cool. In the first season, we roll out the the throwback logo and the throwback kit, <laughs> yeah. you know, for the FC Fargo game or whatever. No, no, that, that was actually before our first game. Classic us, right? Yeah, we yeah. we had the idea before we even played a game. Yeah. But, I mean that's a, that's just that not is many teams who throw up to a throwback before their first game. Whose idea was that? I, I'm not sure. John and I were getting your idea, but we were getting drunk with Trent and some other people across the river from our office, and it, it came up somehow. It, like the history should have a retro. It's lost in, in a haze of pictures and tugs. <laughs> I th- yeah, I think it. I think the conversation went like this. So what are you guys doing? You're starting a lower division soccer team in Minnesota. That seems dumb. You know what would be cool? <laughs> we already have a logo, but why don't we make another one and throw back to it? As if you've been here the whole time. Yeah. yeah. Each of you, um, you have your own expertise, like you've mentioned, in like running a team, what you bring to to the administration of, of Minneapolis City. So your perspectives here are going to be, might be different. But after City's inaugural season, what was your most prominent takeaway? We'll start with Nick. My most prominent takeaway, I was traveling a lot for work that year. So I kind of said, as president of the MRSL, as somebody who's helping to run segments, this is not going to be something I'm going to be able to actively participate in. So my biggest uh, takeaway was really something we had been saying for years on the segment side, which is we need to find more people to help us run this thing, whether volunteer, whether we pay them a, a 
Uh, They're waiting summit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whether we give them a stipend of beer, mm-hmm. you know, just something we need to get more people involved. And I, you saw people come out of the woodwork, whether we asked them to or whether they just naturally did it because of their personality types. And that was my biggest takeaway was that this can't continue at the steg- at the level of stegmansness. For Stegmans, let alone mm-hmm. adding on Minneapolis City. That's nice. I like that. Without more people <laughs> involved. More people. So that was my big thought. I'd, yeah. like to, I'd like to piggyback on Nick's because I think he hit on it. You know, a yes and, if you I'm will. Yes yeah. and. I'm yeah. going to do a brandism, mm-hmm. um, which only Nate and I get. Um, <laughs> oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and John, yeah. Uh, Brain handle. Sorry, Nick. Sorry, Nick. Um, sorry. So, no, but, but Nick hit on an important thing. I guess if you're going to ask about kind of founders of Minneapolis City, um, it is important to to bring up someone who's not here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd say Sarah Schreier. Right. So Sarah found, um, so I, I run the Twitter account primarily, and she she found us, but like me on Twitter, asked if she could help. And, you know, she's got these really interesting skills in terms of like operational organization, travel arrangement. She's like, but when we talked to her at, lo- at the local that one time, really all she could tell us was she's good at Twitter. And she's look like, at what it's she's like Nick right? Right. only better. Yeah, when yeah. it comes to administrative, all of a sudden there's this the diamond in the rough, shit. right? That's just yeah. like oh yeah, she has was, a desire to be part of it too, mm-hmm. which is like that too. Yeah, you have, she was better than I was at things, and you have to you have anyone, whether it's our coaches, even our players, you know, people from our fan base who've who've jumped into other roles. You have to just have a desire to be like this is fucking cool, and I want to be part of it. If you don't have that, then we don't want to work with you because it makes no sense then. Because we all do this for free, so we don't want someone who's who has a hidden agenda trying to be part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I mean, I'd say that, you know, if you talk about founders, she should probably be here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the great thing about our, our whole club, and the organization being volunteer based, <laughs> is like John said, um, it, you know, it's what you put into it. Yeah, she put in a ton. It started with just helping us with our travel to Milwaukee for our first game. Now she like runs our merch and she does a bunch of operational stuff and like, and we've got a bunch of people who do that now. Um, yeah, but, but she started really early, kind of based on Twitter, um, and it's sort of like when we started Stegmans, where we need people with like different skill sets. As we get bigger, you need more people. You need more people with with oh, skill skills, sets and yeah. like the ability to do it and and. It's one thing to have fun starting with like a Menzik team. It's a different, totally different thing when you've got five, six, seven, eight hundred people rolling up the games. And you're playing and in a pro, a for-profit league, and like it's just a whole another mm-hmm. level that people if don't I, think about. If I can put this concisely, <laughs> please do. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I haven't gotten to my part yet. <laughs> the first like quarter of the very first season, she was the Nick of Minneapolis City. After that, after that first quarter of the very first season, I'm now the Sarah of Stegmans. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, that is point. legitimately like we are two sides of the same coin, yet I do it on the very amateur level, and she does it on the professionally amateur my, level. My Oh, yeah, John, your takeaway is probably going to be a little different because you're it, you'll focused on player development. You know, after City's inaugural season, what were you looking at? I'm, I'm glad you asked, Nate. Very good question. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> Again, why, why, why am I? Why do I keep leaning into the microphone? How do you like I've been flat hand and slap balls on a podcast. <laughs> well, it's, it's, because, it's because he's the one. <laughs> no, I, I think organically you knew where I was going to go with my answer because of doing this podcast with me. I mean, I 
I looked at from a player perspective and like the league we were in with with the the PLA at the time. I was I, I looked at we finished a disappointing third. We just there were we just fell down and we tripped over our own selves not to get into the playoffs. And I looked at the on paper the other teams and I was like, outside of the Bavarians, really like who else could we possibly not be better than? You know they've been doing it for so long. You know. And knowing my background with them, I, I looked at, you know, what would it take to, to win that league? And we built the team in year two basically to win the PLA. Mm-hmm. We had the players that could win that league. And then we moved to the NPSL. So how did that decision to move the team from the PLA to the NPSL come about? So it basically boiled around the operational costs. I mean, we were traveling to... Cedar Rapids. We were traveling to Milwaukee, to twice. Madison, twice to Milwaukee, mm-hmm. Madison. You know, we we only had uh, I don't even know. Well, we had we had United Reserves in yeah. town, but then they were going to take them away and, and move us to a team in Chicago. Yeah. yeah, so we were going to have to go even further away. So we had no the closest Adria or something four hours away. Yeah. So operationally, it made sense for us to look at something that would be built around either us being the cornerstone or an existing team being kind of the cornerstone in the, in that league um, to build a conference around. And that's what the NPSL did. They built a conference in the north, and, and we were able to then enter it. But from from building the team to, to win the PLA, then, then that was the challenge. We again finished a disappointing third because yes. we had built a team that was for another league. And then I feel that it took us – three years in doing this from a player perspective, from a team perspective and a style of play to figure it out. And then we did, we figured it out. We went undefeated. We were the highest scoring team in the country, gave up top 10 goals against. Like we, we figured out the formula of the type of player we need, the type of style we need in order to be successful in the NPSL. Uh, and I'd say about the NPSL, like the interesting thing is, um, so there are two. One, if you look at amateur teams in the United States, the NPSL teams are the ones that are drawn. They're building clubs. Mm-hmm. The, the, the players can ball. And, and a lot of alumni that play pro soccer now. now. Yeah. Yeah. There's just there's this is it's a thriving club culture. PDL doesn't draw anyone. UPSL doesn't draw anyone. Whatever. Um, but w- what was different for us was in the PLA, Bavarians were the team that everyone wanted to beat. Or maybe Adria, right? Like they won each side. Historic clubs, very good. I think what surprised us when we got the NPSL was all of a sudden everyone wanted to beat us. In fact, if you ask the teams yeah. in our division, even today, like I was reading the Med City thing in the protagonist, their blog, they're like, "Yeah, our, our big rivals are Minneapolis City." I'm like, "What?" Yeah, Duluth is like our <laughs> That's big flattering. rival is Minneapolis City, huh? Like, I get if I get if you're VSLT or Twin Stars, like we're in the backyard. We're five miles away from VSLT. We're like seven from Twin Stars. So of course, you don't. Fargo's like, we'd really like to beat Minneapolis City, huh? Literally everyone, we're like their big rival, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we okay, have the target. I get it, you know. It, we weren't expecting it rolling out of the PLA, but sure. And I think it took a little while for like everyone to come up. Like everyone has all their players for for us. All those players are really trying to roll out as hard as they can. Like people want to take us down. It took a season to get used to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's tough. The first season in the NPSL um, did end on a high note with that the victory away at Mid City, if I remember right. But otherwise, kind of. Ingloriously, another third place finish. We got to knock them out of the playoffs. Like yep. there, there was something like we knew, we knew going into that game. Like Adam couldn't coach the game, so I, I helped out with that. And like I knew from Dan, who wasn't there, no, I was there. or I knew from you ahead of time. 
We'll leave it at that. We, we heard on the way down that, that we were not. Yeah, we playoffs. weren't going to make the it. playoffs. So we 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 finished about the same as the year before. Um, but in your mind, what do you think worked that first year? And what did you leave that first season of the MPL self uh, to fix? Sorry, can I just say that, by the way, if our if we are super let down by missing the playoffs by, by like one point and yep. finishing third, I think that's okay. That's good. Right. I, I, mean, I, I mean, I never wanted it to happen again because it was terrible, but also there are worse terribles than third. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, to get, to get really to the core of your question, it's um, we owe a lot of thanks to – to the people who kind of helped us start the team in order to get us to where, like where we needed to, where, where we knew we needed to go from. And I think like, if you go back to like our first coach, Keith kicker, like he introduced us to the soccer people that we already didn't have relationships with in town. And from that came, you know, our relationships with Shattuck and with MTA and, St. Croix. Uh, St. Croix. All the youth teams yep. and the player, the caliber of player that was coming out of there that would fit the, the, the gap that we were, we were, um, we, we had a team for. And I, I think that, you know, if, if we didn't have that in the beginning, we would have rolled out with our segments team, which right. wouldn't, have been, wouldn't have been bad, but we were then introduced to Division One players, guys like Samuel Plaza, who was finishing up his fourth year in school and being an All-American. You know, like, we wouldn't have had guys like Trey Benhart. You know, like we... We are successful now because we have a, a core and a backbone or a spine of these type of players that were brought to us by the relationships that we built. So all of that set us up for this last season, which uh, was about as close to a dream season as you could as you could have. Um, so close on the heels of founding the club. We have a few goals. Yeah, from from, from so from game day prep to coaching the players to. You know, to all any 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 point of the operation, what kinds of things do you attribute this season's success to? Not to say that we haven't had it the whole time, but like, really, what are what what's the secret sauce that that we that we found this season? I mean, I guess I'll start. Everyone's looking at me. <laughs> I think there's a couple things. I think one was truly understanding what these players need to thrive. And I, I've had conversations with players that have come to us from other clubs, and I tell them, we practice twice a week. And they go, what the fuck? You guys are that good, and you play twice, you practice twice a week? Yeah, <laughs> and actually, you only have to make one training session in that week to be on the game day roster. We just have guys that are so dedicated into that mold that we, we've given them the autonomy to have a life outside of soccer. We train from 8 to 10, 9 to 11 p.m. at night. We, we allow them to live their life and we fit their soccer needs and they, they thrive they thrive in that environment. Yeah, it takes a little getting used to to play at 9 o'clock at night, but you get used to it and, but, and it fits into your schedule. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, that's one that we, we've given our players the ability to, to live outside of soccer and then they work harder in those limited touch points because of the fact that they – um, <clears throat> they know it's their only chance to, to play together. I think that's one. I mean, because we, we saw, like, the, the players who were really playing big minutes were going to both training sessions. And then, because we play Wednesdays and Saturdays, and then they play MSL on Thursday, and yeah. they'd probably play MSL most uh, Sundays. Sundays. So they'd have one day off. Mm-hmm. But it's also, well, that, that also builds that brotherhood that Wexler's always talking about. Right. But it you gives them the choice 
to have their day off on Thursday or Sunday when they've committed to playing the MASL. We're not telling them you can't play in the MASL. Yeah, if a guy's injured, we might suggest like, hey, don't be a fucking dummy and roll out on a men's league uh, game and get hurt because you're coming off an injury. But we give them the opportunity to, to choose what they want. I think the second thing is that we moved training to indoors. And Minnesota summers are equal parts awesome, equal parts terrible with the weather that we can get here. Yep. And knowing that our, our competitors, our rivals, are skipping practice because it's raining out. Mm-hmm. Or it's hot. Or it's or hot. the bugs. Yeah. Yeah, any number of those things. Yep. Flock of crows is coming in. Technical difficulties. Technical difficulties, all that stuff. <laughs> um, but we we have we have now an opportunity for our training sessions to never be canceled. Sure. Here's, um, Dan, this is for you. Here's something that struck me after the 4-2 victory in Duluth that we all loved so much. Mm-hmm. As we're sitting in um, the brewery at Omni, mm-hmm. right, and I'm thinking like, man, now we, now we get to go to the playoffs in, in Ann Arbor. Um, the more successful Minneapolis City becomes on the field and in the community, the more that that success costs. Uh, travel to postseason tournaments. You got the U.S. Open Cup. You've got, you know, the NPSL postseason. Um, you've got no, U23 and a U19 team. There's this greater investment in merch and the game day experience, right? All these things cost money, and all these are added costs from the days at South High when we're when we're just like rubbing the nuts of the bronze tire as we're coming out. <laughs> that um, was awesome. Is anyway. this success potentially an issue? And For, at what point are you guys happy to to say like we're set, we are what we are, and we're we're happy with it? First off, if any of the regional or national tournament draws were fair, we wouldn't have to travel every year. As Stegman slash Mick. Nick, are you saying it's weird to be drawn home one time in 14 draws? Yes. <laughs> yes, I am. Bold yes, words. <laughs> that, do, that does seem unusual for a it random does, draw. It does. I'm not trying to like throw anybody under the bus because I'm a lead that they're somehow rigged. Has, but yeah, it seems a little shitty. <laughs> a lot shitty. Um, I mean, but know, knowing that these costs do pile up one way or the other. No, I mean, I think for us it's about staying true to the mission, right? And, and we're really a mission-driven organization, and we want to make sure that we're serving local players. We want to make sure we're serving the local community. How far can that go? Well, i got to believe, you know, given, given what we did with the set of players we had right now, not beating the league, top-scoring team in the country. I mean, the playoff game we lost, first of all, the playoffs, you know, so many things can happen in a one-game thing. But also, we, we played with 10 men. Top defender who had mono. For, for, yeah, yeah, we, for, for 20, minutes. 20 minutes. And when they, yeah. they we scored were missing, a game. We were missing their second starters. They, their second goal's a penalty. They call the handball that hit the guy's shoulder. Okay, ref. You know, like, hey, that happens sometimes. That happens in playoffs, right? That's why soccer's a bitch. No, right, that's, that's why it sucks. And a gift. You know, yeah, yeah but it can be a gift too. The thing is, like, if we're playing with with Minnesota players, we're gonna be good. If we keep serving those Minnesota players, we're gonna be really good. If you ask me what the future holds, I don't know because I don't know what U.S. soccer holds. U.S. soccer can't even tell us not just how many pro teams there are next year. They can't even tell us how many pro leagues there are next year. Why don't we know about U.S. Open Cup? They don't know those things. Really, really, guys, you have no idea what's gonna happen in five months. That's our federation. <laughs> I mean, so, that, that's really it. So, like. Yeah. So I don't know, but you know what we're going to do? We're going to do the same stuff, we're going to do the mission-driven stuff. And what I'll say is about our, our members, about our supporters, about our friends all over the country, so they support us. When we need to go to uh, Rochester, New York, we got donations that covered all of it. Mm-hmm. 
to play one game, and I know everyone wished we could have brought home that that W. Um, you know, that, but they locked us out of the bathroom. They did, honestly, we had to change in the snow outside before the game started. Whatever. They're actually really nice guys. Um, <laughs> Pizza man. You know, but, but it's like one of those things where you're like, you know what, how, how far can we go? We can go super far. We can go as far as like this set of people takes us. Where the, Where's that going to be? Somewhere fucking Minnesota fun. soccer is even somewhere sweet. Be next somewhere year. fun. That's heartwarming. You know? See, I, I mean, a, I a, it, sorry, go ahead. Regardless of what the on-field um, results end up being, one thing I've noticed over the last three years, four years, of Stegman's and Stegman's in Minneapolis City uh, stuff is that the people that come out to support us are not just there to support us when we win, but they're there to support us through thick and thin they've driven down to god knows where illinois i mean even garth and wayne weren't even in fucking west aurora or whatever that fucking town was that was a great trip though that was a good, Another trip. good off the field moment. that was a good trip but <laughs> at the same time like they come down to support us there so you know we've got the support of the diehards we've got the support of some casuals the parents like yeah we're gonna we're going to continue to take this play, Keith. take this in a direction of, like you said, what fits our mission. And it's it's heartwarming all the same, whether we make the playoffs or whether we don't. I had a guy stop me in Costco the other day because I was wearing my Minneapolis City, uh, you know, snow hat. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Turned out to be one of the players' dads. It, I think it was Chuck's dad. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. And it's like. Yes. Whose parents were the only fans in Rochester? Exactly. No, no, they weren't the only fans. We had, we had the cat. Oh, yeah. yeah. The cat yeah. in the, in the rain. Two members of uh, three members of supporters group because Bryn drove up, and then we had Kate, and we had Doreen. We drew as many fans away, a thousand miles away in Rochester, as Rochester brought in the snow. <laughs> and there was only one set of parents. John, uh, I'm going to ask you a couple questions, and then we'll get – because I've got some stuff for Nick, too, here um, before we before – we bring it to a close but happy, happy to answer him Nate City's success has brought the club and its players and especially your recruitment of new players to the attention of some heavy hitters um, some of which have maybe not responded super positively to our efforts um, in your world of recruiting and player development what <laughs> what, what challenges have you have you run into thanks to the club's success and, um, and then we'll follow up with, are there any pleasant surprises? We'll start with some challenges. I think the number one challenge for me is guys whose college coaches the, of the college ranks say, well, you're a junior or senior in college, you need to go play in the PDL. And my, my rebuttal to that is, do you want to play in front of no fans? And do you want to play, do you want to not know anyone you play with and, and take a whole summer to figure things out? Or maybe even not play. Or do you want to come home, live the lake life in Minnesota? Live the lake life. Like, see your family, have yeah. them come out, watch you play. You play thousands of miles away because we don't have a Division One program here. Your parents can't come to your games. A lot of those, a lot of the guys we have in, their parents thrive on the fact that they play for us because they get to they get to watch them play. Their neighbors get to come out and watch them play. Their brothers, sisters, all that stuff. So we, we, we built their buddies from high school. Yep. Yeah, we well, and I, I mean, I, I guess I'd say something to that where it's like when you think about you playing in Um if, if it's anything like my experience, so much of the pressure came from other people who, who watch you. Like my issue with like the DA and why, why yeah, you're playing with better players and arguably better, better coaches, but in high school, like a bunch of girls I wanted to meet afterwards, like all these people, like I want to play a lot harder than I did against 
nobody. In front of fucking no one. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to play against hundreds of people, thousand people, or do you want to play against nobody in some like backwater PDL? What's yeah. going to make you better? Mm-hmm. What's yeah. going to make you more? What's more like pro? And, and if you look at Max Deguard, Max Deguard left us for our first year, went and played in Western Florida in the PDL, hated his experience, came back, had a fantastic year, named in the top eleven in the MPSL, um, you know, across over a hundred teams, and enjoyed his summer. Yeah. Then moved that into his senior year at Central Florida. Balled out. And balled out. Was a top 10 team in the country. I've, I've talked to him. He, he goes, I I attribute the, the fun that I had this summer to the mentality I brought into my senior year of soccer. That's what I look for. But those challenges of, of a college coach saying, nope, it's, it's your time to play in the PDL. Like, I, I can't compete with that. Mm-hmm. Because college coaches are their soccer bosses. Yeah. And I'm and just they, the, I'm just the guy renting them for the summer. Occasionally, give them those scholarships, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. Pay for their school, I, and I rent them for the summer. So that's that's my no, number one challenge. My second challenge is the fact that and it's going to sound a little bit conceited and a little bit kind of elitist, but as of today, elitist. <laughs> right, yeah, right, right. As of no. today, we've had over 400 people contact us about playing for our team since August. That's 400 emails I've had to respond to. <laughs> individually myself uh which is a full-time job in itself Mm -hmm. um that these guys want to come play for us i don't have a home for 400 players i have a home for a chosen 60 tops and if we if we have a u19 team we add another 26 to 30 to that maybe maybe a hundred of that can you imagine the awkward emails you'd get from like 17 year old kids who don't use email (laughs) <laughs> they're like yeah. sending you snapchat yeah. messages my, yeah, my, yeah my, snap, my snapchat which i don't know how to use is blown up um no with younger players um but i i don't i can't i can't possibly find a home for all these players mm-hmm. these guys that are talented um it's embarrassment of riches John. It, it kind of is and that leads me to my last point is we we came out with a a uh, not necessarily a lot of rules as to what we want our club to be, but one of our strict rules is they have to live here, they have to be from Minnesota. From Minnesota means a bunch of different things. From Minnesota could mean a guy born and raised. It could be someone like us who are transplants that came here, that live here, that started their life here. It could mean someone who goes to school here. It could also mean someone that's moving here for a job, you know, for an internship for the summer. They live here. They, they collect a paycheck here. They are from Minnesota. Out of those 400 players that contact me, like maybe 10% fill that that need. So I had the luxury of saying, just so you know, we only do this. If, if you have a place to stay and you're from here, you're coming here, yes. If you don't, on to the next. And that also creates a challenge where eventually at some point in what we're doing, the talent level that we found in Minnesota, it will dry up. So we're going to have some lean years eventually at some point. The talent will attract more teams. Right. And and is I, your prediction. Right. And and I or the fact that like the, there just won't there'll be a down year in Minnesota soccer and mm-hmm. we won't have, you know, fifteen players that are aging out of U eighteens that need a need a home that we can that are good. You yeah. mean like the US national team this past World Cup? Yeah, like cycle. we're we're gonna go through uh, an attrition of talent at some point, and but we're going to stick with the rules we have in place. So, Nick, John is not the only one with an increased profile lately. Uh, few people may know this, but you are a bit of an armchair graphic designer who uh, 
who has a penchant for club logos and some kits, some kits. Talk about that a little bit. How did you get started in this realm of designing <laughs> kits for other lower league clubs and their and designing their logos? I'm really nervous right now because you built me up pretty high. Um, Fucking own it, man. <laughs> <laughs> so I've always been, I, I don't know why, I've always been drawn to uniforms that teams wear. Um, one of my favorite catalogs to receive in the mail way back in the 90s was uh, something that, that had like baseball jerseys, football jerseys, hockey jerseys, all that shit. Um, but I was always drawn to it. And once, you know, Photoshop uh, came around and all the templates that people were building out for like their uh, football manager games that they were playing and all that stuff, I started to realize that, oh, you could kind of easily take what somebody else has done and tweak it. And I wouldn't say I'm a, a graphic designer by any stretch of the imagination. I'm pretty good at putting shapes into place and balancing <laughs> colors. A uh, good example would be the 2018 Minneapolis City Home Kits, the white jersey with the Sabo Bridge inspiration. Um, that was that was one where I didn't do the actual design, the artwork on it, but putting it onto a shirt and figuring out whether it worked best coming off the left shoulder uh, and going down to the right hip or right shoulder to the left hip uh, with stimulus logos, with club, you know, crest logos and sponsor logos. Uh, I just kind of played around with that. And so it's really become a kind of a hobby for me. And I got some notoriety. I don't know if that's the good version or the bad version of the word. When, uh, what is it, uh, Alexandria, that team in Alexandria, Oh, Motorik yeah. ALX um, put out their jerseys that they were looking at uh, bringing to life through one of our former uh, kit suppliers. And the, the <clears throat> templates that they sent back that they were touting on Twitter were just awful renderings. They were probably great for the artwork that needed to get created for the kids, but they were just awful to present in the show. Looks gross. Yeah, it, it looks like somebody drew an MS Paint, mm -hmm. and so I just Whoa. took it upon Whoa. myself to draw it on the templates that I had. The exact same things, not not stepping outside the lines there. The exact same designs, but putting it on a decent template that they can showcase, and then they kind of. Uh, came to me for hey who who's minneapolis city and segments working with um can you do some other things because i also tweaked their awaken their home kit and their awaken were too similar for true uh you know uh, distinction between yeah. the kits so i i created a brand new awaken for them and then that led me to getting the the right to donate my time the Thank you so much. For Charlottesville FC. Okay. Yeah. Or FC Charlottesville. I can't remember which comes first. Uh, but I took their, the Charlottesville City Seal, which is a quartered circle, and I created a kit that had four quadrants, um, stripes, very similar to an old Liverpool shirt, broken up into quadrants, and did that for their home shirt and their away shirt. It's something a little bit more simpler, but, you know, just... Things I start playing around with, and then also taking into consideration the 
the amateur nature of it all. It doesn't so, have to be perfect. It doesn't have to look. Well, not just that, but how many times do you see a team in the uh, Premier League or the Bundesliga with their home kit has one shirt, one short, one socks. Their away kit has a completely separate shirt, shorts, and socks combination. For Stegmans, you know, we have to make sure our shirt works with a single color of shorts and a single color of socks so that we only have to buy one pair of shorts, one pair of socks mm -hmm. for our players. And so I started taking that kind of stuff into consideration. Minneapolis City, we can mix it up just a little bit more, especially with the socks. Uh, the shorts typically stay the same. But, you know, things like that. It's just, I for some reason, it intrigues me. And since then, I've put together a few kits that haven't gotten made yet through Corner Flag Creative. Um, hopefully their National High Stakes League bid comes through and we can get some of those kits made. Um, start just dicking around with new crests that you see, like Hartford Athletic. Yeah. I've got a few things I put together there. have not shared that with the world because I used a local brewery for their sponsor logo, which God knows... FPO, FPO. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. For, for what is it? Presentation only. Yeah, for presentation only. Sure. For F FPO. Um, mm -hmm. Don't know if they'd be agreeable to it being on a soccer kit. Probably but, not. you know, things like that. So I like to dick around and play around with it. And Dan and I, um, I think before we got to the Sabo Bridge and the Plaid, there were There's quite a few. eight or ten other designs that we looked Stealth at. Kit. Four or five for each so home sick. kit and away kit. Yeah. Uh, we then turned, you know, some of them into Stegman's kits, we like did. the Stealth yeah. Kit. Yeah. Uh, I got one here. If you want to see it later, uh, I'll show you the goods. But, you know, it, it's I mean, it's I should say, I'd say we want a designer like Nick because every little detail counts. You know, like, um, so I said to Nick, I said, yeah, we should do something like... Some like Paul Bunyan shit with, with fucking pink. That was pretty much literally what I said. <laughs> that was the brief. Yeah, and I yeah, gotta be honest, I, I knew exactly what I was hoping for back. Uh, yeah, but, but I did. Nick, who's got to like arrange the logos and make sure things work, and like, okay, so how's this plaid gonna work? How, how like even the plaid, like the crosshatch, how thick does that need to be so it, like turns well? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of detail, like a lot of fine detail for how that plays out on a shirt. Yeah. Um, and if all you say how that is, looks when it's on a person, right? Yeah. You know, and if Once your brief is, we field. should do some, like, Paul Bunyan shit in pink, you need a guy like Nick to actually make it look good. Um, you know, I think that's what, what we've kind of seen across mm -hmm. across the way. So you're, you're saying your portfolio of design is strong, quite strong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, and then you've got something in, like, the murder sleeves, goalie kits. Yeah. Dan's brief that he sent to me via a Slack message, so all of 60 characters. Was, I want to kill people. Yeah. Well, <laughs> not only that, but, but not some, really kill people. something like the Nigeria 94-95 Nike kit. And so I put together something based on that, and I like the design that I came up with. Of course I do, because I designed it. But it just didn't fit. It, it really didn't fit where we were going with Minneapolis City. And what we ended up with with the murder sleeves i don't take credit from it but it's one of those things where you look back on it and you're like i may have contributed to that process that got us to here and my my version was completely different but it was still cool to see it come to life even though i didn't have a hand in designing or moving the pixels around 
one more question for you, Nick, because you talked throughout this that you're kind of the guy behind. Uh, you're you're more of a Stegman's guy now than a city guy. Mm-hmm. You know, you are the Sarah Schreier of Stegman's, right. um, taking that over and all, as president of the MRSL, um, things like that. As city grows up and its reliance on its roots in men's league soccer uh, evolves, mm-hmm. how do you how do you see Stegman's changing or adapting to support it? Because in the past, Stegman's was the U23 team. Segments are where we could send guys that are rehabbing, guys that maybe can't get regular minutes, that sort of thing. Now we've got a U23 team. We're going to have a U19 team. Where does Stegman's fit into this to this Minneapolis City Stegman's ecosystem? From well, I on? think Stegman's continues to exist on its own, yet still supporting Minneapolis City. It's a it's a really odd synergy synergy yeah. of sorts uh-huh. um stegman's needs to continue to do what it's always done what yeah what it's always done what helped us grow to this point where we could start minneapolis city and the u23s playing with stegman's 1977s um is still going to continue having a u19 team only helps Stegman's uh, in, if I'm thinking only of Stegman's sure. it only helps us continue to find decent talent to fill out round out our squads and I mean how many times have we had Charlie Hines and his brother Nick who played with Minneapolis City for mm-hmm. one to two years uh, you know play down on the Sunday League team eight yeah. of the five yeah. Stegman's teams I mean literally I think we abused him to the point where he was playing more games than we actually had games on that day. Same with, um, same with Hoof, right? Yeah, right. Hoof. Yeah, exactly. But, but that's a big thing where, like, if I think back to, like, you know, John, when you and I were playing, is it was it was so hard to find games. You played every team you could. Mm-hmm. I played like I'm in like church league team. And... Yeah. But but I think if you think about like that golden age that sort of peaked at the O2 World Cup, a lot of what happened was everyone cared enough to go out and play for fun. John was like kicking balls into trash cans. Like we would, we would play for hours and hours and hours every day, all the time. Any league didn't matter. Um, and you know, if you think about some of the guys on our team, like Ao, he's played for Stegman since he was seventeen. Yeah, tear him off the field. Yeah. Really, he will not stop playing. Like he played, 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 and you got to. Time and, out. and frankly, when you're a teenager, you got to play with fucking men because Time all of a sudden you're going to play with dudes and they're going to like kick your ass. Yeah, Ao showed up to the wrong field for a fall league game and ended up playing with segments united instead of segments of voice like that's that's the prevalence of segments and that's also how our guys interact i mean he was and also how you won that game right <laughs> no, no no that was not they a, literally did not score against us. that was not a united versus old boys game i was in the air flying somewhere at that point in time but um you know that's one of those things where it's like Ao showed up before we were even before we had assumed internationals into the Stegman's sure, brand, and he showed up and it's like, oh, guys, I think you're someone the, that's good. I think you're on the wrong field, but I'm not going to tell you that because <laughs> you know you're a solid player. Yeah, and we, after the game, we had the same thing happen with Tim Wills, like where with the team that, <laughs> that I played on, he, the SOB Cup. Yeah, so we we had an annual preseason tournament called the SOB Cup, and we've had it for years. And 
you get a you get to take your picture with a sweet trophy and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And it's a big platter. And and um, we during our integration with internationals, we had just offered up to some of the core guys um, that uh, you know if you want to come play with some of our other teams, you can. So we had a fall league team that AO the AO and uh, and Timmy and a few other guys played on, and through our team management system, which is Team Snap. Um, we put our SOB Cup roster in there, and and he, Team Snap, you need to sponsor us. Yeah, yeah, we've given you a lot of business, you assholes. So much. Um, so we're getting up, we're getting ready, and you know, and like I'm organizing the team that that given day, and all of a sudden, like Timmy shows up, and I was like, "What are you doing here?" He's like, "It was on Team Snap," and I was like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "Well, I got a notification. We got games today, so I just showed up to play some soccer." And then Timmy proceeds to score a hat trick in his first game, and is like, "So do you need me in the second game today?" And we're like, "Uh, yeah, we yeah, need hang you. Around. Yeah, yeah. Well, I wanted to hang around. You scored a hat trick last game, you know. So it's like, it's just that like, I don't see Stegman's ever changing as a result of City of whatever it is. It's just going to be how much more integrated is City going to get into Stegman's? Mm-hmm. To respond to your question somewhat succinctly, I think Stegman's needs to find a way to continue to grow along with city without overextending and that's been one of our problems in the past is that we've overextended (laughs) all the time uh, yeah uh, every day Uh, (laughs) but you know we just need to uh, we need to have the ability to accommodate some of the players in the u23 the u19 levels without accommodating everybody and creating 18 stegman's teams so we need to continue to move the ethos of stegman's forward which at the end of the day underlies the Minneapolis city ethos and helps move them forward. But we need to be able to grow with them without losing our sense of self. Dan. Yes. Player, player and fan input is something that every club has to deal with on Twitter, positive or negative, um, solicited or otherwise. (laughs) Unlike some clubs, city city seems to thrive on it, right? Unlike some clubs who, um, might, shrink from that sort of interaction city loves it um how has player and fan input been welcomed by minneapolis city and how has it helped the club get better nate that's a 600 dollars question um this guy knows what i'm talking about we seriously need 600 <laughs> if you have 600 dollars, send it to us you'll get a postcard on christmas <laughs> um well so um, so that is a good question because I think that a lot of a lot of clubs don't don't necessarily do it right in that um, they don't they don't think through what it means to have fan engagement or, or to be like a proper club. So we didn't even we didn't even nickname ourselves, right? We were just city. Holy shit, John! Get your hands off of the blue ball microphone. <laughs> Caught it. Damn. Maybe I should be a goalkeeper. Yeah. Well, okay. Um, Proceed. Let me, let me get back to my answer, Nick. That's my beer. Oh, I'd, oh. I'd be willing to split it with you. Thank you. Hashtag All right, brotherhood. Fuck everybody. This podcast is really going downhill. Okay, so for everyone listening at home, really wondering about it. So there, there are two things that are important. One, it is really important to do like the basics right. Like this whole bullshit. Hey, people who know me, you know, for for two months or whatever, please vote on the name. F- fuck you. That's dumb. What you need to do is you need to do what we did. We didn't take a nickname. We were just Minneapolis City. 
And then we like organically let it happen. And frankly, I'm pro grumpy cats. I don't like real cats. I like cats on the internet. But they're grumpy, <laughs> right? Like super funny. Um, we had like the Eradicators, also kind of funny. Kyle Lawson, if you're listening, that was a great nickname. Um, but where it all turned around was, and, and Peter Willis said this to me, once he knew we were the Crows, he said, you need to choose a nickname that's like true to your city. I was like, yo, have you ever heard of the Mega Murder? Google that shit. Like, go on Facebook, Google it. There's like a, a Mega Murder of Crows in South Minneapolis, and we're named after him because David Baker, who started the uh, Citizen Supporter Group before even a, a team, um, you know, named us after like the most South Minneapolis of South Minneapolis things. And so that, that like kept us really grounded. And there have been times when, um, and it's been hard to hear sometimes because I do most of the, the tweeting. I've got I've gotten negative feedback. You're you're too angry, you're too negative. You got you know you're too this, you're too that. Um, but but I think it's appropriate, right? Because all too often it's easy if you're this like corporate sports thing where you can do your own thing. You can do stupid, like unconnected, you know, bullshit stuff, and people. Like they check out, right? They're like, there's a certain there's a certain team in town that does that weekly. The Vikings. Yes, where they will they'll tweet something <laughs> they'll tweet something random. They're like, "Who's ready for Friday?" And people are like, "I'm ready for you to sign a number six. Or, or they're, they're they're busy getting shelled for nothing in halftime. They're like, "Well, better luck." And then the second half, you're like, "No, no, man, you're fucked." Yeah. Um, yeah. But but Fire you know, the guy with the keyboard. <laughs> right? But you know, it's, it's one of those things where like it, it's sometimes hard to hear. But I think it, it's made us better. And our whole thing with like the people's club is we want to be responsive to that. Um, and so we we listen and like I, I listen pretty aggressively and like the feedback and in Twitter and emails or whatever. Like I hear it. And sometimes it is like reading mean tweets. Like it is not. It's not <laughs> yeah, always oh, yeah. easy. Um, I mean, I can still remember I was in San Francisco on a business trip. I got a call from from Sarah Schreier who we were busy talking about the the fourth founder who was all on me about some tweet and i'm like busy i'm like i'm halfway through my run two blocks um whatever <laughs> um, uh, just like i don't think that's a problem i pull up to her i'm like oh shit i better delete that you know but like it's one of those things like if, if you're going to be kind of a bikini club like ours you got there, there are people who are going to do stuff right like i'm on just twitter and sometimes i'm gonna get it wrong and your choice is you can double down and well now not care or you can like you know, adjust and, and kind of be the team that you need to be, the club you need to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think our responsiveness to that's been appropriate. I also think that like there's a level of we're just here to have fun, right? Like we're taking it as seriously as we can and unseriously as we can, and we do it for free, right? That that's the thing. It's hard to get really mad at someone who's like, well, I try my best. Like I'm volunteering a bunch of time. We have so many volunteers and we invite so many people in. There's no gatekeeping here. Yeah, you want to be part of this? Come on in. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm pumped about how we did it. Fun fact, I'd never used Twitter before Minneapolis City. Me either. Wow. So I actually signed up for Twitter before then, but I like didn't really know how to use it. So like the account just get it. there for a while. I didn't get it. Very strange. Yeah. <laughs> how is this the thing? So Twitter, you're welcome. Yeah. yeah. Because of that, okay. you've got all three of us. Minneapolis City, Stegman's. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we know that 2020 is going to bring the U19 squad at least as far as new developments for Minneapolis City. Um, that's a big milestone. What do each of you envision for the club in 2025? We'll start with you, Dan. Uh, Nate, I'm making a face at you. Yeah, you're, that's a you're long grimacing. Hold on. I'm unsure. I mean, it's difficult math. 
It's very. How many, how many years is that <laughs> from now? Seven, well, sure, I was seven, English major. Seven, seven yeah. yeah. Seven, six, yeah. Carry the so, <laughs> there's um, a one somewhere. Yeah. Fuck. Niner. Do something. Yeah, Niner. Yeah. Uh, well, there. so part of the part of the issue is I don't know where uh, uh, U.S. soccer is going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it, fuck, fuck if I have any idea. Um, what I do know is we're going to be locked into our mission, and we're going to be in the best place that we possibly can be to achieve that mission. Building a club of regular people that supports players in our community, get their next level, um, and does it with this professionally amateur, super fun approach. Now, um, where I'd love to be is there are some there are some big things, right? Like, I think we should be thinking about how do we find a home, like a legit home beyond the club shop. Um, you know, what does it take to get to a stadium or a stadium rental? What does it take to have some full time um, employees? Um, and depending on where where soccer in America is going to be, where is the NCAA going to be, uh, you know, solidarity payments, like all that's going to be um, a determinant of of where we end up. But you know, the truth is, where we are now is not the limit of our financial might. It's just this is the best place to achieve our vision. If that starts to change, we need more financial might behind it. We've got it. Um, but it has to be tied to that vision. It's got to be true to those, those like it's got to be this member driven. It's got to be this like regular people. It's got to be this local player club, and whatever it takes to be that, that's what we're gonna be. And if I knew what that was gonna be next year, let alone in seven or whatever carry the one years are, I would tell you. That's an amazing way to dodge the question, Nick. <laughs> any Nick Stradamus like predictions for twenty twenty five? We are gonna be well poised. In the proper position to be, the, with a real answer. to be the most <laughs> arrogant and professionally amateur team there is in U.S. soccer. You you might be. John, what, what do you think? <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to actually have a real answer for you. Mm-hmm. I suppose these two jackals. Fuck that. Um, so I look, when I look at success in what we can do within the MPSL, and I'm just thinking about this straight as we don't move a league at some point in there where we're in the NPSL. The calls for the for us to join the NPSL pro or yeah, they go unheated and not allowed to call it that. Yep. Whatever whatever it is. It the feels NPSL like any, amateur with I told you I was, telling, I was telling you that the other night. It's like anytime that comes up, I'm like, it's never gonna fucking happen. I don't know why anyone's tweeting about this. Anyone who knows anything about the club would never suggest that we would join the NPSL. I may have club. tweeted a bunch of cartoon sailors shoveling cash into a furnace. <laughs> um, anyway, so anyway, so twenty twenty five, John so, Bisram's vision. So I have less emphasis on postseason because college players get called back. We saw it happen this year where we we were missing eight starters and we had to go to Ann Arbor. Um, Yes, to catch a regional title and to catch a national title, fucking awesome. But if we have, if we can fill our trophy case with consistent league titles, I find that to be successful. I don't, I don't put as much emphasis on the regional or national piece, and I think that we're we're in a position where we can we can achieve that, and we can have the lion's share of what we do in the summer is play our, our league games. And if we can be the best team that does that, and every now and then we maybe go on a run in the playoffs because we actually try to make a run in the playoffs, awesome. But to, to have a trophy case full of, full of league titles would be fantastic, and I think that's where we're headed. Well, and that is all for this week, folks. A big thanks to 
John and Nick and Dan for joining us. And as always, thank you to our sponsor, Summit Brewing. We could never have made it to 100 episodes without you. And we sure drank a lot of it along the way and tonight. Especially this episode. episodes by this point. <laughs> uh, make sure, everyone, to keep a lookout uh, for your favorite varieties at your local bars and local liquor stores. Summit Brewing, a more meaningful brew since 1986. If giving back to the community means a lot to you, maybe it is time to give back to the club that gives back. Minneapolis City is a 501c3 that provides a safe, reliable, and fun environment for young people to play the beautiful game. Look for us playing with kids in community centers around the city and consider a tax-deductible donation uh, to a true city-focused organization before the year is out. Memberships are available for 2019 and they are on sale through the end of the year. It is the perfect Christmas present at 60 bucks. You get a ticket to every home game, a fancy new membership scarf and a say in club decisions like, Hey, maybe we want to add a U19 team. Visit MPLSCitySC.com for more information. I thought you were a nice work, writer for a nice work. Oh, playing with kids. You yeah, fucking was, love it. It's not over. <laughs> if you want to, there it's easy more. to. It's, if but you want wait, to, it's, there's more. It's easy to hit us up on Twitter at the People's Pitch or through email at mcscpodcast at gmail.com. All questions, comments, and concerns are welcome. And if we remember, we might feature it on the show. Uh, and that is all for this week. Once again, you, we leave you with our house MC, Miles Stockman Willis, aka Malaise, with an original track for you called when you fall i am nate that is john that is nick that is dan take us out gentlemen you got hooked 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 jesus see i see the real you yeah boo i found you so don't ever frown when loneliness is around you i'ma show you that someone should crown you not clown you but pursue virtue would never hurt you critical in distance touches digital biblical tell death love is unconditional telling us we're a team and not two individuals for you i give my spleen the spiritual and the physical loving what is fragile isn't always fixable but i see what's invisible see it affects visuals grab my hand hold it we gon' think the unthinkable I promise we will close That our boat's unsinkable I promise I'ma drown in you drown. Let you drown in me Reveal the recipe You I love to overfeed I love it. Let's proceed slowly Not go bad like moldy no. Ravioli Rigatoni Girl I'm free falling for you Still Temptation follows free Just tell me when you fall for me Please Just tell me when you fall Free Girl I'm free falling for you Still Temptation follows free. Just tell me when you fall for me, please. Just tell me when you fall. Temptation's about to give in, but I'm staying true. If I sin, may I be forgiven for a few. What we got to lose? You just gotta listen. Such a good girl. Just made a bad decision. One and done, she looking fine. Nothing missing. But got my hands tied like I'm the villain. Evil only swallows pride, but I'm sometimes kidding. Finger liquor kitty after, be the kitten. Cute shit, kiss me softer than a baby's grip. New sense of high when she bites her lower lip. If she quit, make my heart skip, then snip. When we're together like ice cream mixed with some mint. Pepper, shawty had to rescue my respiratory. Just wants a man, who's a man that is mandatory. Only without her off the pad, like I never met with Dory. Help her write her story, take the qualms out her quarry. Girl, I'm free falling for you. Still, temptation follows free. Just tell me when you fall for me, please. Just tell me when you fall. Free.
girl, I'm free, falling for you. Still, temptation follows free. Just tell me when you fall for me, please. Just tell me when you fall free. Selfie timeless as the rolling. Always be my plus one. Shotty is my bogey. In it for the long haul, not for the trophy. Every day, feeling greater than Tony. Falling for her, and I think she falling for me too. I hope falling like two V's make a double U. Type of dude to build you up and make the rubble move. Type of dude to have my phone out all in front of you. Only cause you got my back. Presence always sets the mood. Never starts any trouble without any proof. No problems if there was, make the puzzle poof. Lap it up. Goofballs, you should see the spoof. Girl, I'm free falling for you. Still, temptation follows free. Just tell me when you fall for me, please. Just tell me when you fall free. Girl, I'm free falling for you. Still, temptation follows free. Just tell me when you fall for me, please. Just tell me when you fall. Free.